And do you know how we keep bringing you new things? Every episode I say something new is happening. Today's new thing is that nobody's remote. We have four people in the room and no call-ins. So that's really, really unusual. Um, So we're all here in Philly in the sound studio. And we all include Marion Wren in from Abu Dhabi again and gracing us with her physical presence here in Philly. Hi, Mayor. Hi. It's so nice to be physically present in Philadelphia. <laughs> Yay. And I can touch your knees again. You should touch in my knees. So, you know what? Before we go any further, I want to give a shout out to Airbnb. Um, <laughs> and a shout out to NYU Abu Dhabi um, for ha- having fall break and uh, and allowing me the time to come to New York, New York and Philadelphia <laughs> and sit at this table with you. Um, and my husband and I rented a very cool place in Old City through Airbnb. So three cheers, Airbnb. <laughs> All right. Um, I don't know why I did that, other than to say maybe we should start saying things that get us advertising. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to say anything else about yourself before yeah. we move on? Yeah. So I direct the writing program at NYU Abu Dhabi. Um, I write essays, and I am a cultural historian. That's me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And immediately on her left, right? Yeah. Hi, sharing mics with Marion is Sarah Agit, and I'm the current editorial assistant for Drexel Publishing Group, and I'm a third-year English student at Drexel. So that's me. Woo-hoo. My name is Tim Fitz. I teach here at Drexel University, and I write mostly short stories, and I have a collection coming out with Mad Hat Press this spring. and. Um, I would like to announce that uh, I promised one of my classes that this weekend I will be having my first tasty cake. You wow. I've never had a, I've never had a tasty cake, and uh, we had a big argument about that. And I'm gonna. What take... kind are you gonna get? Well, for your first one. I've researched them. <laughs> I would imagine. And uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go for the pumpkin spice because it doesn't have hydrogenated oils, and it has the pretty low sugar gram counts like 17 or something like that. Some are like 40. Yeah, my personal so. favorite is the Tasty Claire. Have you had that one? No. That's probably like a stick of butter with like whipped yeah. cream on it. Um, yeah. Listen, Tim, I don't think that's going to satisfy your students. Um, or you, essentially. Yeah. That's not a real Tasty Cake. That's some newfangled f- f- <laughs> pumpkin spice. <laughs> I know. Well, no. Oh, man, no, Cherry, no, 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 no. You gotta have like the tandy cake, the classic, that's that peanut butter. Oh, are you talking tasty? What are you talking about? I'm talking tasty about cake. those little boxes of. The tasty cake is in a box. It's like a the cylindrical box. box. It's a particular kind of, of tasty cake. They have a bunch of different flavors. But I know what you're oh. talking You're talking crimpets. No, you're, you're welcome. No, no. Tasty cake. Right? This is no, all about tasty cake placement. has that one that has peanut butter and yellow cake. That's one of the kinds of tasty right. cakes. That's what but I'm saying. What he's talking about are those pies in those cardboard boxes. Yeah, the pies in the cardboard boxes. That's the tasty with the blue tasty cake label. Well, you just said South, a tasty cake. A tasty cake. It is. You've had nothing tasty cake brand. I've, had, though? I've never had a tasty cake brand. Well, that's what I'm saying. You should use it up something classic, not necessarily the pie. Oh, what I think the pie is the classic. What do your students want you to do? Just any tasty like cake. Like a crimpet is a classic tasty cake, which is a delicious. Remember tasty that hotel cake? that we stayed at, that they had just um, 
in Philly, and they had just a tray of Tasty Cakes up in the VIP lounge. There's a way to get like me to Philly try Because it was like a Philly thing. That's right. But That's they right. had the little cakes mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. with jelly and stuff. But anyway, I disapprove of the pumpkin spice. <laughs> I think you should well, move on. I think that's a newfangled flavor. I'm not going to do the jelly stuff in what? the middle, but I'll try I'll try the eclair and I'll Taste try the other, other flavors. Highly recommend the tasty eclair. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it almost you're defeating the purpose of you're reading the sugar and the hydrogenated oil yeah, and stuff. The know. students want you to have an effing tasty cake. Yeah, okay. and also tasty cake, if I'm not mistaken, <laughs> is dedicated to the freshest ingredients. And I'm not doing just product placement, but this is true. This is why they don't ship outside the region. This is, I should fill my suitcase full of tasty cakes and take it back to Abu Dhabi. I That's think they I ship. They definitely ship outside the region. I don't think you need they a license do. for that. Look, in Sarah's Green. Yeah, well, well, I mean, not the in the stores, but you can order them. I don't know. You might. You can't go to a store and pick it up, but you can order tasty cakes. I'll happily okay. sample whichever tasty cakes <laughs> anybody brings me. If somebody brings me a suitcase right. filled with a variety. All right. So the idea here is come I'll to sit Philly down and I'll try them. Right. Come Stay at Airbnb all. and eat tasty yeah. cake. That's, and read right? poems. Yeah, and contact us, mm-hmm. and we'll hang mm-hmm. out. I'm not going to mm-hmm. stretch so, it out over weeks either. If I try them, I'm going to try them in one sitting. I'm oh, just going to do one, I, one tasty, tasty cake, cake experience thing. I you dig should, it. You yeah. should tweet. Power live eating. tweet. Live tweet a okay. power eating extravaganza <laughs> of tasty cakes. Yeah. yeah. Well, we know how Tim feels about power eating. Let's not get him started. Oh, really? Okay. okay. All right. So, so I'm Kathleen Volkmiller, and I've just been talking this whole time and didn't say who I am. So that's me. Um, and I direct the graduate program in publishing here at Drexel and um, have co-edited PBQ with Marion for a very, very, very long time. He's tickling your knee. <laughs> and she's touching my knees now. Um, okay, so we're going to do three poems by Laura Ross. The first one is Bora Bora. Who would like to read? Wow, okay. Y'all want to. Sarah, you've been nominated. Do you feel like oh, it? fine. Okay. <laughs> Bora Bora, 1996. A shaft of blue splintered into a thousand nuances, shed them into the sea beneath our tiki hut, wedged on stilts into hunger clouds of shimmery fish, oysters lipping black pearls. We married there, on the shore between the neon chakra of sky and water, a handful of drowsy natives shaking New Year's Eve from the folds of their parios. Dancing, a tide etched in sand. Later, petals strung in whites already singing, sighing into sepia, from our balcony we sought those old stars from home. Palm trees swaying festively in dark silhouette across the unadorned horizon of the Pacific. Love, a sugar rimmed we shared in sips, cowrie shells strung and whispering at our throats, every edge garnished in hibiscus, sunburn, pineapple. In the shallows, the moray eel we spotted earlier, prehistoric face bobbling from his pulpit of stone. Before the ceremony, we tossed in our pockets of foreign coins, wishes aimed at his blind scowl. Later, Moonlight uprooted the slippery ribbon of his tail while the current floated him, floorboard by floorboard, across you and me, a benediction in a sleeve of seawater. 
the round polyp mouths of the reef opening in the dark like a choir. Very nice. Thank you. Nicely read. Sorry. Thank you. Um, And I should have mentioned that you can read along and look at that poem on PBQ's uh, website. So do so, please. PBQMag.org. And um, so, so many beautiful images in here, right? Kind of stacked up images. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm drawn into this description of this lovely, um, faraway beach experience. I um, and love a sugared rim we shared in sips, cowrie shells strung and whispering at our throats, every edge garnished in hibiscus, sunburn, pineapple. is a really lovely sentence, right, in the way it spreads across the page. Then I get a little lost, though. In the shallows, the moray eel we'd spotted earlier wishes, what happens with that moray eel? Right, it's, it's, they spot an eel, and then later moonlight uprooted the slippery ribbon of its tail while the current floated him floorboard by floorboard across you and me. Like there's a, help me with that part. Does that make sense? And I'm sure it does, mm-hmm, Laura mm-hmm. Ross, I'm sure it does. I, it, it's just my brain is dim. I think one of the um, the things holding us back is that the there's punctuation, like there's periods and things like that throughout the poem. <laughs> but there there are oh, wow, um, <laughs> they're not complete sentences. Mm-hmm, so I mm-hmm. think that's disrupting our understanding. Um, I felt like you know the more I yell. After that beautiful love line is, right? Like it's scary and dark, yeah, yeah. but it's not, right? Right? Um, a a floor, uh, yeah. So while the current floated him floorboard by floorboard, floorboard across you and me, a benediction in a sleeve, in a sleeve of seawater. Yeah. Yeah. So. You know what? I'm I'm imagining all the way here that they're staying in one of those places where the ocean floor, where there's a glass floor, so that you can see the ocean. Yeah, it's like one of those yeah. lovely huts, right? And yeah, above yeah. Above the water. I'm imagining that too. But I think the introduction of the eel was the potentiality of something dark, mm-hmm. which then is not. Right. Which goes to before the ceremony, we tossed in our pockets of foreign coins. Wishes aimed at his blind scowl, and that and that the the syntax of that sentence is a little bit tangled. But what I get out of it is like you're sort of throwing money, making a wish, right, against mm-hmm. the potential, right, torment, evil, right, right. and it, and it comes back to them as a as a benediction, I right, which is cool. It is right. a little confusing if they're in the water. I don't think they're in the water. I think they're in a hut with a glass floor. But then that's it would why be they're weird able to, to have drinks. The coins. Oh, true. Then it would bounce off the glass. Unless they're right on the edge. Of the, they saw them earlier. Yeah. And now they see them again. They, not, I think they threw the money in earlier too. Right, but we tossed I, in our pockets. Yeah, they're not yeah. tossing the coins. Okay. Right. It's like you know they're perhaps okay. keeping them in their pockets. Listen, before we go any further, though, can I just say how much I love that first line? A shaft of blue splintered into a thousand nuances. That's just a great description of color. <laughs> right. Yeah. 
I want to stay in one of those. So does Haley. <laughs> I've she heard does. Haley talk she about does. that too. Like that's a yeah. life goal for her. Do you think there's her. a B Airbnb that we can? Uh, I, in fact, there is. <laughs> Our tiki hut wedged on stilts into mm-hmm. hunger clouds Dear of shimmery fish. Mm-hmm. I wonder if maybe some of that first part before the moray eel. There's a lot of real uh, tropic imagery of swaying mm-hmm. trees and lights shafting, and <laughs> I wonder if palm trees swaying festively in the dark. I wonder if it could just be turned down like a degree, because <laughs> there's so much of it. And then I, I mean, I really like. I was relieved to see the moray eel because I thought, uh oh, this is going to be all just the most beautiful day in this person's life mm-hmm. that I'm not living. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now we get a Mori eel, so it's okay. Now but there's some conflict and some, you know, low vibrations. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You even know what? if it doesn't, even if it's not dangerous, it's there and you're right. aware of it. Right. And then it makes it believable. Absolutely. And then, and then you can kind of relax. Yeah. The, the line that you just quoted is my least favorite line for exactly the reasons you're citing. Palm tree swaying festively in dark silhouette across the unadorned horizon of the Pacific. That's just that, well, is, I, that, that is a bit much, and it's in the dead center. And then it's followed by the right. lovely line that you already quoted yeah. with the love of sugared rim. So it, it almost highlights more its um, trope-ness. Yeah. yeah, well, I think for me, too, this sort of Paul Gauguin moment of the depiction of natives is um, on one hand lovely, but also made, made me a little itchy, right? We married there on the shore between the neon chakra of sky and water, a handful of drowsy natives shaking the New Year's Eve, shaking New Year's Eve from the folds of their pareos. That's sort of like generalization of the natives, right? Uh-huh. And this sort of, you know, Bora Bora destination is, it makes me cringe a little, mm-hmm. right? Um, but it, it's in keeping with that sort of, depiction of the island, depiction of the tropical, depiction of this blissed out thing that they're going through. I wonder if that last sentence, the last line, opening in the dark like a choir, would it be stronger if it was just opening in the dark? No, because no, the, the choir went with the benediction okay. for me. Yeah, yeah. Catholic imagery. Uh, okay. I like the polyp mouths of the reef okay. too, right? This, yeah. this sort of like opening and closing, yeah. right? Of, of the reef, right? Well, he's just saying get rid of like a choir, but I like the choir. I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you on the choir. Huh, what do you, what do you, I don't know what to do. Are we well, saying I, that we like this, but we want some edits? No, I don't know. I think, I think we're having a conversation about pleasure, frankly, right? Like the description is the description of a moment of happiness, as you said, Tim, in this person's life, right? And it's right. the rich description of bliss, even with the sort of threat of negativity, is just the description pleasurable enough for the reader to be transported to Bora Bora. And is that enough, right? And the... The, of a payoff, right? To sound instrumental. 
for the yeah, poem. For, I mean, for me, it's got to go way beyond the pleasure thing because ple- we're post-pleasure. But we are <laughs> not <laughs> post-pleasure. <laughs> nothing is, I resist Nothing is just... Yeah, see, you can tell this is, is a man who's never had a tasty cake. This, this so let's just nothing. put it in perspective. I mean, there's, no pleasure, there's no pleasure without the other steak. Side of a tasty I'm not, I'm, maybe I should say there's no such thing as like steak-free pleasure there's something there's always some other right. thing lurking right. right so you got so i like i do like the um so the issue for me is when i'm reading these one two three four four and a half lines mm-hmm. of pure pleasure and all these postcard types of images yeah i mean that moray eel comes in just in time yeah i mean i'm on the verge of being out Mm-hmm. And then the more eel comes, that's okay. I mean, that's pushing it up right up to the limit. I don't, I have no problem mm-hmm. with that. Mm-hmm. But it does come in just in time. I maybe could use a little bit less of the palm tree stuff, but um, yeah, yeah. Um, I got you. I, you know, Tim, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to jump in and say, yeah, right. Like, so what's what's that? Roland Barthes talks about it as jouissance, right? It's a, that kind of pleasure that's also threat. Like it's you're always on the yeah. edge of bliss, right? Right. And and you're right. There's no threat in this until the eel comes through. And even yeah. when the eel comes, he turns into a bad addiction before it becomes the edge yeah. of something, right? I mean, I don't like these moments in life, but I there are these moments where everything's great and you just got a nice groove. Every facet of your life works, and it lasts about thirty minutes because <laughs> you're like, if I could just keep it like this. And then something yeah. bad always, yeah. and then you start to be afraid, okay, what's going to be? And it's yeah. something, and it's soon. Yeah. And Tim. then you got to go right back down and build yourself back up. Can't we allow the speaker a little time in Bora Bora no. on, on her honeymoon? <laughs> wow. Yeah, um, I mean that's all without, she's at, that's all she's uh, asking for. Uh, no. Well, right. she does it. She, I mean, there's the the more eel, the more eel saves everything. Right. right. Yeah. Because it's because the honeymoon is still expensive. Yeah. And there's the whole study <laughs> out there about the cost of a wedding versus the happiness and longevity of the marriage. Yeah. You know, this, you know, there is, you know, there's the more eel. It's got to be there. Yeah. Otherwise, it's Disney. Yeah. It's Disney without, you yeah. know, it's like, it, yeah, it's like, um, well, okay, it so becomes corny, but it does not. Is it only, a, is it only that, I think I catch you, like, in, in terms of, like, if we stick it under the bigger rubric or umbrella of travel writing, right? Like, <laughs> is this a postcard from Bora Bora? Or is there some kind of idea unfolding in the, in the poem that puts it in a different category of contemplation? I don't get that second part. For for me, it feels like postcards from bliss, right? Like unless I'm mis unless unless I'm misreading it, right? Yeah. Um, She's on her honeymoon and everything's perfect. Yeah, I'm, I'm, down, fine, with I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that. You don't hate her. You don't hate her for her tiki hut. Nope. <laughs> I don't hate her for the tiki hut as long as the more eels there. As long as they're aware <laughs> the there. of the possibilities. <laughs> the right. Possibility of suffering. And then we're fine with yes. that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Okay, we still have two more by Laura, so I yeah. think we should move on. But I, okay. I think it would not be the worst thing in the world to ask for some edits on, like, the palm tree okay. stanza. Even if it's just shaving off a couple of adverbs festively. You know, the palm trees can just sway. <laughs> Wait, are we Sorry. shaving are you, festively? That's what I want to know. Is it like a festive shaving of adjectives? <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, let's vote. Wait, is this how we do? We do, okay, all right, got it. All One, right. two... Three, vote. 
Guess it's no surprise, it's in. It's a festive yes Yay. for Bora Bora. And if Airbnb loves us, maybe they'll send, they'll us, send us to Bora Bora. And we can do a podcast from there. From Bora Bora. Joe, are you in? All right. He has a mobile <laughs> recording unit. I'm just saying. I've uh, seen it. The euphemism. <laughs> okay. The walrus and the tea leaves for Doug. Are you ready? The walrus and the tea leaves for Doug. Darling, it wasn't the news you'd expected, and when you told me about it, I'd giggled. Conjured images of broken symmetries, kaleidoscopes and compass, magnetic poles and mirrors gone random. I knew what you were buying, hoping for. I knew what you were hoping for how you'd tilted your throat back and swallowed down the void. The psychic parsing through the rack line for messages left in a seaweedy clots of chamomile or earl gray. Speckle and flack, dark nebula splat against a bone-colored sky. You said she'd seemed baffled by the walrus, awkward animal, all teeth and tail. You told me he'd risen twice from the wet ashes that morning, buoyant and robust in his island cup, nosing through the diorama of dregs like a sea floor of mollusk shells pursed shut, his mouth an incessant imprint on the rim. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, what lovely words. I apologize for the for the gaff in the middle there, but gorgeous words. You were thinking of buying tasty cakes. <laughs> Distracted by the tasty, the walrus and the tea leaves. So if I'm if I'm understanding the the, the logic of or the, the narrative of the poem, right? Um, darling, so this is Doug. Doug, perhaps, <laughs> perhaps it's for Doug who got his tea leaves read, and I'm guessing it's in an island setting that this tea leaf reading was happening. Um, got his tea leaves read twice, and twice the walrus emerged in the dark ashes, right, in the cup. Um, and that, for some reason, the appearance of the, the walrus was not exactly what he expected. And I don't know what a walrus means in my tea leaves. What would a walrus in my tea leaves mean? Where's Jason? Called Jason. Uh, Jason Schneiderman. Jason's in a ju- in serving on the grand jury right now yeah. up in New York. Accepting phone calls, though. We could probably text him. <laughs> Yesterday he took an I'm, emergency I'm call from it, me. I'm guessing it's not good, yeah. the walrus. Right. Although she Giggle. giggles. She Maybe giggles. she just, yeah, either she's lighthearted about it and he's taking it seriously or mm-hmm. it's not that bad. It's just weird. And you know what, Mara? I don't think they're still on an island. I think that... Um, okay. The, in his island cup, like there would be an island of, oh, of um, the, his the island tea cup. leaves I, okay, are right. the little island in the walrus. Buoyant and robust in his island cup. Got right, it. Right, right. Got it, got it. That, not that that part matters. Yeah, no, but, but I think like just reading the two poems next to each other, you got the diorama. <laughs> you were still a drag, Bora Bora. The seafloor of mollusk shells pursed <laughs> shut, right? Yeah, like I'm, yeah. I'm still in the sea. And it, it starts up with the rack line too, the, the psychic parsing through the rack line for right. messages. I think she's using all those images, images to write all the watery images. Yeah. yeah. Like a seafloor of mollusk shells pursed shut, his mouth an insistent imprint on the rim. I have to say, one of the things I really like about Laura's poems 
is the just the precision of the sound in the mm-hmm. words that she's choosing and the sort of the elegance of of the lines, right? Like I feel controlled in the reading, right? Yeah. I love that feeling. Like she's yeah. actually controlling my pace and controlling the this sound. This one in my I head. think shows more of that kind of craft, don't yeah. you? Than yeah. the last. Um, all teeth all teeth and tail is a great line. Yeah. Yeah. An awkward animal, all teeth and tail. I seriously want to know what's so bad about getting a walrus in your teacup. Well, we'll look that up, but, All right. but, but not right now. It's kind, of, it's, kind of, listeners. it's kind of the same poem as the other one. You start off with all of these uh, kaleidoscopic images. One has the shafts of life. This has the, uh, the tea, and it's all sort of exotic and amazing. And then there's the walrus. In the eel, mm-hmm. it's, it's great. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. I like that it that has a parallel. Yeah. To it. I um even the the beginning image the that list of kaleidoscope and compass magnetic poles and mirrors gone random. I liked mirrors gone random. Yeah. You know, maybe think of like Alice in Wonderland clocks going random, but mirrors gone random. What are they reflecting? That's cool. So I, I don't, right? And I think for oh. me, the, the poem takes a little bit long to get started, right? And in that sort of um, funhouse mm-hmm. stuff, like I don't know where we are. And I, and I don't know that I have to go three stanzas to not know where we are. Um, because the psychic parsing through the rack line for messages is, uh, that's pretty clear. Like you're getting your tea, tea leaves read by a psychic. Who's the title baffled. doesn't help you to start off with the walrus and the tea leaves. Oh, absolutely! It gives me it gives it lets me know exactly where we are, right? Yeah. I mean, in, in for for the gist of the poem, right? Right. Which just makes the opening um, befuddlement a little long to be in yeah. that. It's like a little bit of a throat clearing, right? Right. I I don't know. I was going down the rabbit hole right with her. It's all very <laughs> Alice in yeah. Wonderlandy for me. Yeah. You know, even the walrus makes me think of the Alice in Wonderland walrus. I yeah. I'm kind of confused too, but it I'm I think this is one of the types of poems where I would go back and read it. I usually wouldn't. I usually abandon things pretty quickly, yeah. but I would go back to make sense of it. But if I went back up to the title, I probably wouldn't again because if it's about the t- walrus and the tea leaves, I would really hope for or like a different title, some other because yeah. it's just too. Bullseye. On the nose. Yeah. I, do you know? I don't know from the Walrus and, and Alice in Wonderland. Do you know the Walrus? Do you? What? Go ahead. No. Okay. Go ahead. Uh, I don't know. I don't know enough about Alice in Wonderland uh-huh. um, to know about the Walrus in Alice in Wonderland. You can't picture that Walrus. I can't. I don't know the plot line of him, yeah. but I can picture him. I can't. Yeah. 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 I'm, I guess I'm just you know. Like one got, of the adventures she has is with Walrus. Is with a Walrus. I got whacked by Johnny Depp. In Alice in Wonderland, yeah. you know, and now I can't get that his Mad Hatter out of my head. When I first read the title, um, I thought it was a play on words, um, and that she was uh, like the elephant in the room because it had the same setup. Um, and so I didn't immediately think of Alice in Wonderland until we got to um, those kaleidoscope and compass images, like you said. Um, however, I think I agree with you, Marion, though that. I don't know. I was really waiting to find out what that news was. And I was really waiting to find out what the walrus was. So for that, I feel like that um, descent into the rabbit hole, I didn't get that because, I don't know, I was just held up. 
yeah. on what that news was. And I guess it's, you know, like, I have to say, as the sister of a professional psychic, <laughs> um, maybe it's okay not to understand the full significance mm-hmm. of signs, right? Like, maybe we don't need a sort of one-to-one correspondence, like the walrus equals health and health and long life, or it equals catastrophe or, or something, right? But I'm not even... I'm not even sure I know what the reaction is, right? Like what the like what the emotional response from either the the person getting his tea leaves read or her listening to the story is. Like there's the, I guess that's there's a kind of emotional fuzziness around this. Yeah. All of which to say I'm super interested in the the scene and the setting and the premise of the poem, but those those emotions seem a little bit fuzzy to me. I think we just have a tendency to see everything as a bad omen. <laughs> you know, you see it more ill. You do. Well, it's Philly. And you love it. <laughs> no pleasure yeah. for pleasure's sake. I'm from the South. Yeah. <laughs> South Philly. Yeah. No, I'm joking. Um, so here, I don't know. I just think, I agree with you guys that the narrative is hard to follow. We don't know why the dude's upset, but the girl giggles. And we don't know why the psychic's befuddled yeah. that this walrus showed up twice. Yeah. We don't know and we end not knowing. Yeah. I think for me this poem was more about language mm-hmm. and what she did with language. Mm-hmm. You know, so I guess that's just the decision. Is that enough? Yeah. Or is that not satisfying for yeah. you? Yeah. And I, I think I mean and I'm with you, but I think the narrative is clear. Like we know what the setting is. What's not clear is like the um, emotional logic of the poem. Right. And that part is is the language is beautiful and I'm befuddled, but I, I, am I, you know, like, is is the poet giving me a new language for these emotions? And I don't know what the emotions are, right? So right. that's a, that's the piece that's fuzzy for me. I wonder if it's a kind of just lighthearted poem about people who are in love with each other, and when when you see somebody who interprets everything as a bad omen, um, it's funny, you know, because you know it means nothing, but they mm-hmm. get wigged out by it mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. then you laugh and it's it's just a sort of type of I don't know if it's enough of a moment of but it's a weird type of intimacy when you have that mm-hmm. and um, my wife is from another country so they have a whole different set of um, superstitions and occasionally you just hit get hit by a random one like if you're standing in a doorway suddenly the family freaks out like get out of the doorway mm-hmm. you know and like you suddenly you're the worst guy because you were standing in the doorway and then once <laughs> it passes you're like it's kind of funny because then you real you think oh what's going on here all these people are crazy and then you realize you have your own set of things yeah that you impose on them yeah sure but it's sort of i think it's kind of a nice moment between them if i don't know if that is that enough i think it's kind of interesting i mean i like Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah. I don't know, but that's yeah. prob. It sounds like me also just completely reading my own narrative <laughs> into the poem. No, I mean, that, I think that's clearly in there. The the dude who had his tea leaves read is wigged out, and so was the psychic. But mm. the person who's telling us the story is not. And and maybe that's why you know Marion's calling for emotions. I think. She maybe she doesn't. She it's for her. It's images. Mm-hmm. It's imagining. Mm-hmm. This walrus, and that's why people know. who don't get scared by psychics, I think it's kind of a gift, and it's also kind of a curse because it. I get totally freaked out <laughs> if anyone says anything psychic around me. I get I bug out. I don't want to know anything. Uh-huh. I don't. I'm very superstitious. Um, 
But yet when somebody says, oh, I don't believe any of that, I think, well, that's weird too. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that binary logic. Yeah. Like you're con- there, perhaps there are two yeah. forms of resistance there. Yeah. yeah. But, but if you, you obviously must believe if you get wigged out that a part of you believes. Everything so that's, that's why exactly. you're scared. Yeah, there's such yeah. a, I mean, yeah. the vast majority of my brain is telling me, don't believe it. Yeah. But it has nothing against the tiny little sure. fragment that's like, Spooked. And so I guess that's that is also then for redeeming the poem for yeah. me too, right? Which is to say, you know, the pattern emerged twice. Yeah. The sign is there. It's like the oracle, right? Yeah. The oracle's telling you secrets, but what the hell that secret yeah. means, you never really know, right? Um, and I so I guess I crave a little bit more of clarity around that confusion, right? Mm-hmm. Like I and, and maybe maybe that's in the title, right? The walrus and the tea leaves just is on the nose, right? Like there's a walrus in the tea leaves and it, and that walrus shows up twice. So there's like, so where's the delight? You know, where's yeah. the surpriseness? But now, but as we've talked about it, I've, I think I'm becoming more and more charmed, right? By the lack of clarity about the meaning of the walrus, yeah. which is cool. <laughs> and love poems are so corny that if this is one, this is I'm not okay a love poem. Is this a love poem? <laughs> All right, if this is a love poem, then then it's awesome because it yeah. doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't. I think it's a love poem. Yeah, are both love poems. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's a more honest type of love because you're able to see the omen. You're able to yeah. see like you know it's not just some stupid fog of bliss where you think everything's gonna be perfect, but every day is gonna be like this. You know, you have this. Every day is Bora Bora. Some, the stupid fog of bliss might actually be the title of this episode. <laughs> hey, Sarah. Yes. I'm not going to put you on the spot, but you have said so little this time. Do you have nothing to say about this poem? Um, I like listening to okay. what you, you have to say. Okay, then that's good enough. Yeah. We, won't, right. we won't pressure right. well, you. I, and I'm I changing also, my opinion, though, on this poem. Right? I know. This conversation <laughs> really spun, spun me around, too. Although I do think, you know, P.S., Contact MaryBethRen.com, PsychicMaryBethRen.com. You're and all advertisements. Maybe, yeah. maybe all she'll time. tell us about the walrus. <laughs> um, you know what, you guys? What? The walrus starts it off. The time has come to talk of blah, 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 blah. That's the line from Alice in Wonderland. And oh. I actually think the Beatles, I Am the Walrus, is... From, from that Alice walrus. In Wonder- really? I do. I gotta read Alice in Wonderland. Yeah. I, I, I did read the real book, but it's, it was a long it's time ago. It's been a while. Um, okay. So are we voting? I Shall we? Voting. After no, we Tim vote, has one more thing to after say. After we vote, can we talk about the possibility of a new title? <gasps> wow. Wait, we should talk about that first. What's your idea? A different title. Uh, oh, I <laughs> like, disagree. Do you it's have... just too on the nose for me. It's, yeah, it's too like yeah. I, I like, yeah. But see, Marion said that she was she didn't like not having the reveal till the fourth stanza, and I said, but the title that yeah. helps oh, no. place no, you. Yeah, don't get me wrong. Like it's not that the I, that the reveal bothered me in the fourth stanza. It's just that I don't. I don't understand the sort of looseness of the start. Darling, it wasn't the news you'd expected, and when you told me about it, I giggled. I get that, right? And then what she does, she conjures images of broken symmetries, kaleidoscope and compass, magnetic poles and mirrors gone random. I, um, I am lost there, right? I knew what you were hoping for. I don't. How you tilted your throat back and swallowed down the void. That's, that's, the speak, that, that's this person chugging tea. Right. Mm-hmm. right? And that's yes. totally the drink me moment of Alice in Wonderland. It goes down the void. Right. So I. So you're bringing Alice in Wonderland as such a strong context for this poem, and I don't know that the poet 
intends for that illusion? I'm not yeah. sure. Now, if, if that's so, then maybe that should be in the title, right? I don't know. Or like some, some indication do you have, of Alice Do you have an idea? Do you have an idea or you just aren't, aren't with if a I, straight up title? I'm not with the title. The thing that I would start with would, would just be for Doug. And then I would start with after that. I would. I would. Well, that's because you read I, this as a love poem yeah, as well. Yeah, true. Right. true. I would start with some image at the end, maybe where the walrus is, or maybe seafloor of Moloch. I'd start with something that was not at the center. I would start with an image that was near the center, right, to pull the reader towards that moment. Okay. So after we vote. I think that, you know, we're always doing new things, but we can have a conversation with Laura about yeah. this yeah, title and let her listen move. to this yeah, conversation first. I think first. that's the move. Yeah. Right? I think that's the move. Bring okay. the poet in. Right. Ready? Okay. All right. Shall we vote? Wait, can we vote psychically? No, I'm joking. <laughs> uh, here's my coffee. Okay, wait, let me my look at the bottom of your cold coffee brew cup. coffee's got nothing. <laughs> From Joe. <laughs> <laughs> All right. One, two, three, vote. And it's in. No surprise. Goo goo gajoob. Um, all right. One more from Laura. Deja vu, 1979. There has to be darkness and a highway. Beyond the shoulders of the road, a topography splayed and lit in street lamps. You're 17, and Hotel California is playing on the radio. If you look close enough, you can see the silhouette of mountains beyond your own reflection in the car window. To the right, an anchor store in a strip mall. To the left, the gas station where high school boys work, the good-looking ones who sweep the silk of their long bangs from their eyes with puppy-soft hands. And if you want regular, and ask if you want regular or unleaded. Watching them comb your windshield clean beneath the squeegee's wide, forgiving blade, you might imagine whispering, save me, and wonder, does anyone do that anymore? The windshield washing, you mean, of course, and you know that if you slid your fingers inside the thick baffles of their goose-down vests, down into the warmth beneath their soft-as-ash flannel shirts, your palms would smell like gasoline and their father's old spice, and that in the star-bristled night, every imagined kiss was a curfew exquisitely unfair, and a promise you had made in a fever to return home what you'd borrowed just the way you found it. Tell you, big I, reveal. Love I, it. I, well, this when I read this like on the page, I was I was ready to go. Ah, Hotel California, <laughs> seventeen, waka waka, right? But what a joy to read that poem out loud. That is that is a tour de force. Yeah. Well, I'm going to be completely transparent. That of her packet was the one that made me go, shut the front door <laughs> and look harder at the other yeah, two. Yeah. You know, I was like reading, reading, and, you know, these discussions and hearing them aloud today made me respect them even more than yep, I did yeah. going in. Mm-hmm. But this deja vu was the one that made me yep. come closer, Yeah, you know? Yeah. So just, and, you know, it's interesting, you guys, talking about it in the context of the other two, because this one is again, just this like a bunch, she sets a scene, you know, it's image, 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 and then when we get up close enough 
to the boy squeegeeing the windshield, that's when the language just gets even richer and, and, and intense, and we stay there. And lingering all the way to the Old Spice. I love the imaginative moves that she's making, too. Like, there has to be darkness in a highway, which is the equivalent of once upon a time, but it's so <laughs> right. interestingly specific. Yeah. And then just the, the like the movement from, like, like looking through the windshield but seeing your face reflected on the windshield. Mm-hmm. And then the windshield takes you to this, the, the squeegee boy, right? Mm-hmm. And then imagining yourself, like, inside the feel of, of that vest and that body. Like, it's yeah. an absolute... Um, embrace, right? Yeah. Imaginative embrace. So, wow, that's kind of wicked, wicked good. I would, um, I have to say the uh, Hotel California thing. If, there, if there's any possible way to change songs, oh. time, time dude, seriously, that's what I, was, I saw that. Hotel I was like, California, uh, you guys. Hotel California. What the f? Wow. It's 1979. I know, and there's so many other choices. Exactly, there's but so it's many so cliche. Oh my god! Just any cliche. song. The Eagles are what you play Eagles. when you're driving in a car. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> That's true, but there are so, even any other Eagles song. Can you sing it now? Can you do it off the top of your head? Go ahead. No. <laughs> Come on. No, we don't want that. <laughs> so do what do you do? Do you know it? <laughs> that was way no. before oh, my no, time. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, what, yeah. just because it was the album title? I mean, what the hell's wrong uh, with Hotel California? It's the same thing cheesy. that's wrong with Stairway to Heaven. You think it's cheesy? There's nothing wrong bit. with Stairway to Heaven. That's fine words. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if it was Stairway to Heaven, I might have checked out. Right. Hotel uh, California in 1979, and she's 17 and in a car, uh, seemed pretty damn appropriate. Uh, See, I was confused by that, though. Go, going back to say you're you're 17, is she 17 in the poem, though? Or is she reminiscing about when she was 17? Right. She's 17 in the poem. In 1979, okay. she's well, 17. Well, she doesn't say I. She says you are. Well, it's like this imaginative, yeah. right? Like you're okay. 17. But the person in the poem is 17. Right. Right? Okay. Right. The person having this moment Then is why is 17. it called deja vu? That's what, yeah. Because, is well, she just remembering of when she was 17? I think so, yes. She I'm might now be. back in my brain for the lyrics of Hotel California. Did you <laughs> get mentioned in that song? No, I think it's a deja moment. She's just mm-hmm. transported back to being 17 in 1979, you know. And when I say she, I don't mean necessarily Laura Ross. Mm-hmm. I mean the speak, the mm-hmm. you know protagonist, the person we're getting described, the person who says the, "save me." Yeah, but this person is, boy is with such a bangs. hypothetical, right? It really is like this hypothetical person, like the, sure. the you, this you, this abstract person who's who's conjured by Laura. There has to be darkness in a highway. It's like yeah. she's the cinematographer, right? And sets the scene and goes. And you know right? how romantic that is. It's like a girl looking out the bus window, mm-hmm. right? That is a trope. Mm-hmm. But then the fact that she gets as specific as she does with mm-hmm. the flannel mm-hmm. and the old spice and all of that is what, you know, makes it um, individual. You know, what's funny is I'm thinking about Tressa Leo's poem. Which one? Um, I forget the name of it, but I teach it frequently. That's why it's like really up in my mind. Yeah. We'll have to, we'll link this on the show notes. Is but, it the one um, about Woodside? N- no, the yeah. stop, go, I'm... I'm a four-way. I'm a four-way stoplight. It's about uh, yeah. It's about teen years at an intersection. Wow. <laughs> the metaphor is okay. an intersection. Okay. Stop. Go. Don't stop. Yeah. You know that yeah. kind of thing. And um, I'm I'm reminded of that yeah. in a great way. Yeah. 
Yeah. Okay, why were we going woo when we first ended it? What were we celebrating? You went woo. So did Mary. <laughs> yeah. But that's, I know. I mean, I already talked and talked. I want to hear what other people well, are saying. But but that's a great question. Was the woo on this side of the table? I yeah. think it might have been. It a, was me and you. Half, yeah. It's a half a woo, right? Okay. So <laughs> other half. The, if it's not a woo woo, what's what's? Okay. Your... Yeah. Let's ask the young female <laughs> if, if, at the table. Okay. Can we? Can we really? I am going to put you. I didn't put you on the spot last time. <laughs> no, I am. Let me play teacher, Sarah. What do you think? <laughs> Um, I think at first I was very, um, I was confused at the at the time. I was wondering, did she write this in 1979 or is she looking back? Um, of course, the title gives you a clue to that. Um, also, the language of you kind of put me off in a way, too, because, mm-hmm. I don't know, I think using you in any sort of literature can be really dangerous at times because, sure. you know, obviously, I don't, well, not obviously, but I don't, I've never experienced this moment and I don't know as a 20 year old I don't like to think back of when I was 17 <laughs> <laughs> right at least still not too yet. close it's a little too close <laughs> so um, right yeah and then I was again confused at the second half of the poem so what I thought was happening in this poem was that she was say however old she is now let's say 40 50 etc uh, she's cruising down a highway and she goes to a gas station and while she's reminiscing about when she was 17, um, she's admiring this young boy with a squeegee. And that made me a little uncomfortable. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so that put me off at first. I was confused at who the speaker was um, and how old mm-hmm. she was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she, I don't know. She was just immediately 17 for me. You know? I, uh, I loved the gasoline and Old Spice uh-huh. image. Yeah. yeah, I like that too. Yeah. yeah. And... You know, when I was when we were talking about this poem, I started thinking how much different seventeen was in nineteen seventy nine than it is now. Mm-hmm. I mean, now it's like, what, what's the equivalent for now? Twenty five. I mean, uh, seventeen in nineteen seventy nine, you were out. I mean, you could go off and get married, have kids. <laughs> you know, the guys had like beards in 1979, <laughs> and mustaches. They had the porn mustaches. And That's right. Yeah, That's yeah right. we probably and did expect more of our youth than people, we do now. Seventeen-year-olds yeah. now have less freedom than I had when I was eight in 1979. <laughs> I was in '79. Less I was freedom. Out. Oh, we're gonna get in a whole other yeah. tangent. I don't know if it's less freedom or less expectations. Oh, you know, don't kids, say that, well, kids well, are allowed to stay young longer. Different I mean, that's, expectations. That's, yeah, definitely, different expectations. Definitely. Yeah, kids stay kids much, much longer. Um, but, I mean, if we really want to go through this and determine, I mean, I think she's addressing the you is because she's addressing her 17-year-old self. You know, and she, from your 17... And Hotel California is playing on the radio. She, I never thought she was a pervert cougar. No. At all. Like Sarah no, thought. This is, the whole, I, I'm absolutely cracking me up that you went the there. The harmony yeah, between her yeah. looking back yeah. is perfect. I mean, I think it really works. She's looking back, and she's looking She's looking back at what life was like when she was 17. Sure. Right. And everything sure. everything works. I mean, at 17, yeah. is different now than it was then. I mean, yeah. there's no doubt about that. Yeah. I mean, right. now in colleges, if you want to talk about anything dirty, you have to say trigger warning. Warnings, you have right. to. Yeah. If you can't, you can't even. 
assume someone is a boy or a girl in a college yeah. class nowadays. So I mean, I, it's much different. I hear you, right? And I and I, but Sarah, I get you on why the it might be confusing and that's hysterical to think that it's a pervert cougar who's like imagining groping, right, a gas station attendant. But I think the use of the, of the second person is is a kind of conjuring, right? And so going back to that title, déjà vu, it's like almost like a hypnotic gesture. It's like, okay, close your eyes. There has to be darkness. You're on a highway. Okay, now you're 17 and right. hotel. Ca- so the conjuring yeah. is what pulls you in. So the you is is as much her as it is you, the listener. We're imagining you or the reader into this position, and then it's just this series of imaginative moves that gets you like. Like in this like intimate position of like being able to smell the gasoline and Old Spice oh, right yeah. off the squeegee guy, right? right? And then for me, this the move out, and this goes to that that this that that angstiness of rushing home, right? Yeah, and in that star bristled night, every imagined kiss was a curfew. Like you knew you had to get home, exquisitely unfair, and a promise you had made in a fever to return home what you'd borrowed just the way you found it, like. Begging to borrow the car, begging to go out driving, drinking from your parents' liquor bottles and filling yeah. it up with water so that yeah. nobody catch yeah. you. know what I mean? Like that seventies yeah. era like affect yeah. gone yeah. in the dust. Doesn't I, exist anymore. Right. Every imagined kiss was a curfew, exquisitely unfair. Yeah. Because when you have a curfew, right. it's every minute is more precious. Yeah. Yep. Right? Yeah. Yep. It's just oh, exquisitely unfair. Yeah. And it's also hypnotic. Like the, the Old Spice and the uh, gasoline and the flannel. It's all because you, you're so hyper aware of all of the details when you're 17 and in love. Yeah. It's yeah. crazy. You know, you get, you're so aware of every tiny thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, she, and this poem is about that moment where she she remembers all of the details of what it's like. Because it's different when you're in your 40s, when you're 30s, when yeah. you're 20s. Every, yeah, every yeah. decade has its own feel to it. Yeah. And then and then, yeah. she's there. But you know what? I'm going to pick on Sarah again. Don't you, is this moment relatable, though? I think the, I feel like these two are talking more like this is not a feeling anybody has anymore. And I think these feelings can still be had by current 17-year-olds. I have a no teenagers who still take alcohol and put water in the mm-hmm, bottles. Mm-hmm. That's not gone. Mm-hmm. Curfews still exist. Mm-hmm, like, you mm-hmm. know, I don't know what, you know, other than Hotel California on the radio and you don't have some 70s classic station on, I don't know what feeling here a teenager couldn't have in 2016. I think, judging by what you've said, both Tim and Marion, um, I think I do think my age um, affects how I read this poem, because as a 20-year-old, I don't have any, you know, quote, good times to look back on, you know, the good old days. Um, Because you're in them. (laughs) (laughs) They don't feel like that. (laughs) Um, So to me right now, I think this reads as, you know, maybe my grandparents saying, oh, you know, back in the 70s was, you know, the best, you know, that was... That was the time to be alive. And for me, you know, I wasn't even, what is that, a twinkle in God's eye in the 70s. So um, I think there are things that are relatable, but the idea of looking back decades back onto almost the past self is completely unrelatable to me. Yeah. Well, I wasn't talking about the deja vu part. I was talking about that moment of, like, transporting yourself into the arms of of the boy pumping your gas. Going that's relatable for that's so what I meant. Sure. Yeah. That's sure, what I meant. Sure. The live action of the moment mm-hmm. right. is definitely is yeah. Right. But there's 
that other moment of just looking back is right unrelatable. Right. Yeah. I meant aside from that, like yeah. what actually happens is the reverie with the boy. <laughs> I, I that think still th- happened. I, yeah. I think the good times I are hope. gone. Uh, no, I you know the good times are being hyper surveilled. No, the, uh-huh. the good times yeah. are in the yeah, phone. Because uh-huh. nobody's noticing the squeegee oh boy gosh. anymore. Yeah. Yeah. No, Sarah Seriously, just said nobody's, they are. No, you can still have these goodness. moments. They're, they're not. Yeah. Every person walking down is staring at their phones, yeah. and they're not looking around at people Yeah, anymore. four phones, it was a newspaper. They're, they're, looking, at, they're looking at their Facebook hits. But this is why this poem is so important, because now Sarah agree. she just got the experience of imagining the squeegee boy. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it's it's just the real people. Uh, they still fall in love with the barista. You still, I mean, it's fine, right? Yeah. Yes, yeah. and the, the the they are fewer. The smaller population of people falling in love with the barista is fewer. I see it in class. I mean, it doesn't, maybe it was decades ago, but when I when we were in college, there wasn't the same type of internet usage. And there's always the possibility of meeting somebody in class, sitting next to a girl you liked, or playing in a band with somebody. It's all this, there's a lot of social energy going on. Mm-hmm. And I don't see that in the classroom now. I see a lot, at least half of the people, when I get in there, are on their phones. Yeah. And if there's, a, if there's a room that can seat 50 people and there's 20 people in the class, they're equidistant from each other. <laughs> and just like you just scattered in a confetti of mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're like not even like gunning to sit next to people. And I, I think it's odd. Yeah, the room is quieter, that's yeah. for sure. I mean, no, and that's, maybe the good times aren't completely dead. Right. But it's dying, I think. I think, yeah. I think they're going in there. And it's not against people who have the phone, because certainly many people, especially people who are in creative writing classes and things like that, pay more attention to the details of life. But, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but in general classes, more people are on the phone and not paying attention. Do you think it's your presence that influences that? The influences, they're... Their inability, your your perception of their inability to socialize. Do you think the minute you walk into the classroom, (laughs) they stop talking? Because I'll tell you that happens. Uh, (laughs) No. When the professor walks in, it's all, oh, time to to work. I don't don't think there's that going on. (laughs) I don't don't run that tight of a ship. Uh, I mean, you know, I think in maybe some classes where the teachers are strict, they might do that. But I, I think they know I don't care if they're. I like the noise of the class. I, was, I grew up in a strict religious school where you weren't allowed to talk, you had to sit like a prisoner all day. I like hearing the noise of mm. people and, mm. you know. Hmm. All right, so let's bring it back to the poem. Yes, and I would say, when I think about PBQ readers, um, lovers of poetry are gonna dig this poem, I think, for the way it sort of, you know, um, tumbles into its ideas and discoveries and delivers on this, you know, nostalgia mm-hmm. in a way. And I also think um, somebody like my husband's gonna love this poem because he worked as this squeegee guy. He worked yeah. as a guy. He had a gas station job. I, I love, hear about that all the time. Mm-hmm. Like, he knew how to do it, right? Like, yeah. He was like squeegee in the front window and the back window, thank you very much, and checking your oil and mm-hmm. wishing you a good trip. I love any poem that is like a diving board that launches you into that type of headspace. Yeah. Where yeah. Thinking about yeah. all these things, yeah, that like, totally works lovely. for me. Yeah. I think even though I can't relate to this, you know, deja vu kind of moment and things like that, um, I think you're right. Though I can appreciate this for her her technical use of language and things like that. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you're right. Great. Um, shall we vote? I think so. Okay. One, two, three, vote. 
And it's in! Laura three Ross, three, three for three. Wow. So amazing and, and perfect timing. We are we're at the end of our, our show here, the end of our time. Um, I would like to remind our listeners that you can go read all of those poems. They will appear on our podcast pages, but today's trio will also be in the book. Yay! Um, so please go to our Facebook page and tell us what you think of millennials versus teens in the 70s and (laughs) tell us what you think of these poems and what does a walrus in the tea leaves mean and we have so many questions for you but we're also looking for your questions we would love to do a special episode where we just answer your questions so ask away Um, send us an email comment on the Facebook page whichever you'd like to do Um, please share this podcast with your friends and frenemies and um, follow us on social media and if you send us a self-addressed stamped envelope we'll send you a sticker that celebrates the podcast for your laptop and if you put enough postage on it Tim Fitz will send you a tasty cake Unless that's illegal. We'll have to find out. Um, I'm also accepting. I'm also accepting tasty cakes. Actually I think that's great. I think you should accept recommendations yeah. for tasty cakes for your for the day in which you sit yeah. down for your taste test. Yeah. Yeah. All I'll right. happily respond to some sort of online forum. I can respond. <laughs> All right. Donations. Thank you everybody. Keep reading. Yay. Yeah, Deja. Welcome to the Hotel California. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.